Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, we are live in Las Vegas. Uh, we are signing up for contests this weekend. We are meeting up with a lot of our friends here in Las Vegas. It is going to be a great weekend. I could not be more excited. And uh, we are joined by a guest, the great Jeff Benson of Circus Sportsbook. Uh, Jeff, uh, first ever appearance in the Deep Dive. Thank you for being so hospitable. You and Circa have done an amazing job so far making us feel at home here in the Circus Sportsbook. How is the contest cycle going for you so far? It's good. Uh, certainly a long way to go to uh, to get to twelve million. Uh, obviously, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what Derek's uh, you know been uh, been pushing. Um, obviously, we uh, we guaranteed six million in the Circa million, six million in Survivor. Uh, last I last I looked, we uh, we just broke a million uh, in the Circa million. Uh, we're about at fourteen hundred entries in the Survivor right now, so uh, about two point five million in entries. Uh, but Typically, you know, what you see, uh, obviously, as we start our first contest weekend is, you know, 65 to 75% of the entries uh, will come over the last, you know, two to three weeks. Um, so we're certainly hopeful we get, you know, close to our 6 million guarantees in each. Um, but if not, you know, uh, your listeners and, you know, anybody on gambling Twitter is certainly going to have, uh, you know, some plus EV, uh, given that these contests are no rate, meaning that 100% of payback goes back to players. I like it. Can you describe what people mean when they describe a contest as having an overlay? I think a lot of people are curious about what the heck is an overlay. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, uh, we guaranteed six million uh, in each contest. Uh, what that means is uh, for Survivor, uh, let's just say we get four uh, million entries. Uh, Derek would basically be putting the other two million. Uh, into the prize pool out of his own pocket, um, and then the players uh, would obviously be competing against you know 2,000 less entries, uh, which would certainly make each entry you know more profitable than uh, you know what it is when it started. Yeah, it was like how I was joking around about Max entering the underdog thing last night. <laughs> the overlay didn't end up happening. <laughs> the quicker filled up, and my golfers are not doing good. But uh, that was my question: was going to be, where's that money coming from? It sounds directly out of Derek. Derek just can't bet as much on uh, Michigan State this fall. Correct. It, it'll cut into his betting uh, budget. But yeah, like I said, last year we had about a one point nine two million dollar overlay in Survivor, and obviously we also paid out the million dollar bonus on top of that. So basically, last year Derek paid out two point nine two million dollars uh, in extra contest fees. Um, and given where we're at right now, I'd certainly anticipate uh, that we may have an overlay in one, if not both, contests. Okay. More likely to have an overlay in one or the other? Yeah. I would say given that you can do three entries max uh, in a circa million versus six entries max in Survivor, and then uh, obviously you have the rebuy component uh, if you take a team on Thursday night in the Bills-Rams uh, game, uh, which is on September 8th, which is the opening football yeah, uh, game. Uh, I would say that there's way more of a chance to be an overlay on the Circa Million okay. versus Circa Survivor. Two questions, though. Could, could you, so you, yeah. could, you could buy 6,000 in entries, Correct. take the Rams across the board, Correct. Bills win by 100, and then you could buy six more? Correct. You can go into Saturday's deadline on September 10th with six total entries. So if you want to you come in and you want to take three entries on each team 
and guarantee that you have three entries moving into that first uh, NFL Sunday, you could do that and then come back and buy three more entries to get you to that six number. Okay. Or if you alluded to, you want to take okay. six on one team, you can now, do that as well. Two key questions. I'm going to come to the second one first, but you mentioned it. The, the Monday night, I mean, the, the Thursday night football game is Bills Rams, which is not the same situation as last year where you had a Thursday night football game where the Tampa, favorite was yeah. eight point eight point favorite, right? So it's not obvious to me who's doing that or why. But what is sort of the general idea behind capturing more plus EV by max entry? What, like, why would the sharpest players out there be inclined to do that? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you have six entries at your disposal, uh, you have more options, you know, whether that's the double option, you know, whether that's looking at, you know, obviously it's a traditional survivor contest, but when you think about um, the added weeks of Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, there's a lot of people who will max enter in the survivor contest just to get to Thanksgiving or Christmas, and then they have all these different options. You know, do they want to take two different teams on those days? Do they want to take, uh, you know, uh, you know, opposing teams in the same matchup um, on those days? I think when you look at max entering, uh, it just gives you more optionality in terms of what you want to do. Uh, and then specifically when you get to those special holiday weeks, uh, you have to make you know, two picks, you know, one on that Thanksgiving day, obviously one on the Sunday, one on Christmas, one on the Sunday. Uh, it gives you just a number of different options to play with uh, versus if you only have one or two entries. This is... And you didn't, that wasn't something from the beginning of the contest. The Thanksgiving and Christmas? Yes, so this is the third year of Survivor. Uh, year one uh, and year two, we had the Thanksgiving elements. Uh, last year, we added the Christmas element. Um, and then this year, uh, really kind of the two biggest changes is obviously that Thursday revive component with the Bills Rams. Um, and then, uh, you know, I proposed a a uh, you know kind of an interesting wrinkle for Derek, and he really loved it. So this year, the bonus prize, uh, which is a million dollars out of Derek's pocket, is you cannot use either uh, the Bengals or the Rams. You'd have to go the whole year, and you can't use one of the last year's Super Bowl teams. So obviously, um, you know it's a strong incentive for that extra million dollars. Um, but given that you already have you know twenty bets to make. Um, you know, that leaves you with really only 30 teams to choose from yeah. um, if you don't want to go with that, uh, you know, that Bills or, or excuse me, uh, that Rams or Bengals angle like I talked about. And obviously, when you look at, uh, you know, opening night, you would think most people would be leaning to the Bills, given that they're going to be the small favorite. And some people may not necessarily want to burn the Rams um, so that they're still eligible for that moment. You can't, can't burn the Bills either, they're exactly. going to be eight, they're going to be six. They're going to be touchdown favorites. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there, uh, yeah, there's yeah. a Thanksgiving game, and just if you didn't use them there, there's other spots where they're going to be double digit favorites. And, and truthfully, too, today we get the first the moment that we got to thinking about this was our Uber driver talking about it. <laughs> Legitimately, when we were going to the Circa from the airport, he was he brought up, "Oh, you need to play the Survivor thing." He's like, "I play in this one," and he said, "Is like a third one's hard." He's like, because it has Thanksgiving. He, he was poo pooing. He was like, yeah, that's too hard. I can't win that. But he, he did. And I, I thought, and this was I posited. I said, I think it's it, it's helpful when because it's just such a big contest. Like you don't want to see thirty guys chop at the end. Like yeah, it, it does help you get that one guy holding. That's the a fantastic point. Um, and and for listeners who you know haven't followed along, uh, when you look at year one, uh, we guaranteed one point five million. 
uh, in Survivor, excuse me, we guaranteed one million in Survivor, but at the end of the year, we had 35 entries who split. 35 people went 18 and 0, they each got roughly 68,000. Uh, and when you look at last year, you had five people who went 20 and 0, three people who were eligible for the bonus. So each of those five participants, each one walked away with seven figures. Uh, you had uh, two players who won a million dollars, uh, and then you had three people who won, uh, you know, one, excuse me, you had two people who won 1.2 million, uh, and you had three people who won 1.5 million. So certainly some really life-changing money. Um, and obviously to Andy's point, you know, you don't want to have 100, 200 people chopping this contest. Uh, but when you have six million guaranteed, um, you know, there's certainly uh, you know, a lot of opportunity for uh, you know, a number of different players uh, to get to the end. But 20 weeks definitely makes a lot of money. I can tell you that the other thing that makes it important to have these wrinkles, the NFL has never been more bifurcated in terms of the haves and the have-nots. They strive for parity. Bifurcated? They have, they have, they have, they have, one beer you. <laughs> they have strived for parity in the NFL forever, but we have a clear, like, break where there is a whole cluster of teams with, like, a minus three to minus six power rating, yeah. and then nothing until you're at, like, neutral and then everybody else that's kind of like 20 teams above zero that's what made this damn survivor pool tricky last year come thanksgiving sure. i mean what was the biggest spread at thanksgiving last year oh, oh, two three points yeah, they were, they, yeah, they were yeah, all yeah they were all really close games i remember saying that i'm glad i'm out like <laughs> yeah, I, but i think you made a great point because i think when you looked at like the first six or seven weeks of last year you didn't have an upset that was yeah you know, more than a touchdown, and then obviously you had some catastrophic weeks. Yeah. Then know, the two, Jets beat the Bengals. Yeah, there was. The I Jets mean, the basically, yeah, everybody was just complaining on Twitter about Survivor. Like, oh, like ninety-eight percent of my Survivor leagues made it through again this week, and whatever they were at. Like, yeah, they didn't have that. Whereas, like two years ago, and I distinctly remember this because I went balls deep on this team. <laughs> was uh, right off the bat, the Jags beat the Colts. Yeah. It's like yeah, ten we points. And then when you look at Thanksgiving week, obviously last year, I think, you know, everybody was basically saving, you know, Dallas. Um, and obviously, you know, once you have, you know, one massive upset, that took a, that took a ton of people away for Thanksgiving. So okay. I, think, I think there's a, a, a huge game theory component when you look at Thanksgiving and Christmas weeks and ultimately, you know, what people are saving. For okay. Now you don't have to, now you don't have to do this, but I'm going to ask you if you can expose some of the sharp players, what their game theory is. If you have six entries in Survivor or three entries in Circa Millions, do you see the sharper players tend to pick, this, like, stay in the same stream and try to different, wait until the very end to differentiate? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to look at it during the season because of how many entries, but, like, when you get to the end, do you ever look back and, like, all right, yeah, we how, eight how long left do you, how long look you back at what they you, did? How long do you wait before you differentiate? What is, like, what goes into that? Yeah, I would say you see the sharper players, uh, particularly those who are not center uh, in, in sort of Survivor. They pick the same thing on all six entries, and the hope is to get as deep as possible into the season and then have that optionality that I talked about. Um, obviously, when you look at uh, Circa Million, uh, Hannibal Barca uh, last year, he had multiple entries, uh, and when you got to the end of the season, um, for his entries, uh, he, basically in, in week 18, he ended up picking the same thing uh, on both of his entries, and he and, and he did not have a good last week. I remember this. And that 
court that caused him to fall out of first place. Where you look at Derbify, who ultimately was the uh, the champion at the end, he had multiple entries, just like Hannibal Barca. On one entry, he chose five things. And on the other entry, he chose the exact opposite. And him having uh, a, a week where you know he didn't go two and three, three and two, where he had that variance, uh, you know, more towards the five and zero, oh and five. Uh, that ultimately caused one of his entries to go to first place, the other to go to tenth place. But ultimately, by making that well, the, decision, the, the upside with first is correct. for sure. Yeah, you get a blazer. Correct. So yeah. I, I think he obviously <laughs> made a fantastic. I think obviously he made a fantastic decision. But I, I think when you look at it, uh, you know, people who have those multiple entries once they get into those positions, if they make the right choices, it's, it's the difference between ultimately winning. Okay. Are there other wrinkles that you kind of notice as you get to the end of these contests where people are like using Circa independently to try to hedge out of positions where they've captured equity by making deep runs? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think when you look at Survivor last year, uh, we had a number of different people uh, come in and make six figure bets, uh, both on the spread and money line, um, you know, on the opposition of you know, what they chose in the Survivor contest. Um, you know, having that liquidity uh, and that out to be able to get down six figures, sometimes on credit, uh, and really be able to, to edge out of your position uh, and certainly capture something uh, for your deep season run uh, was definitely something we saw. And then kind of another interesting wrinkle was um, obviously the tie component of Survivor. Sure. Uh, because if you have a tie, which, you know, uh, we, we definitely had a few of those last year, if a participant has a game in which they select a team and the game ties, both teams would be eliminated. So, uh, you know, ultimately towards the end of last year, probably in the last month or so, Chris Bennett, who's our director of risk, uh, he would put up, uh, you know, will this game go to a tie? Uh, we definitely have people come in, uh, you know, kind of back wheeling their entry, uh, making sure that the game didn't go to a tie. So that was certainly something interesting to see. But uh, like you mentioned, having that uh, ability to hedge out um, and lock in some profit um, is definitely something we saw towards the end of the contest. And I mean, Circum gets me put a two-way out on that. If you want to bet, Absolutely. if you want to bet, no, this does not tie. It, it's, if you want to lay all your money for. You it's know? funny you mention that because when you look at the last game of the regular season last year between the Raiders and then yeah. uh, and the Chargers, uh, we got as low as you know, probably twelve to one on the yes uh, for there to be a tie. Um, and there was definitely people who were coming back and laying whatever we had on the no price at that time, given that the true odds were. Drew and I would back. Oh, I don't know about that. What, what were you starting? Like, what's a. I guess I'm not even sure the difference between a three point and a seven point spread is that much of a differentiator between a game actually ending in a tie. But what were you opening tie yes at? 25, 30? On that specific game, yeah, I believe we probably opened 30 to 1. I uh, got that down all the way to, I think, 12 to 1 at some point. Do, yeah, do you remember the moment itself? And did Brandon Staley save you guys by calling that time out? He did. We took a, uh, <laughs> we, we took a bet we didn't want to. Uh, the, the, the Jaguars on the money line parlayed to, to the tie, which was obviously correlated. Uh, so we certainly had quite, quite the sweat. Um, and, and it ended up working out for us. But, yeah, like when you look at uh, a, a random week, uh, depending upon what the spread is, obviously you're going to have, you know, the tie odds be somewhere between 100 to 1 and 150 to 1. But obviously there was, you know, uh, a much different scenario in that specific yeah. game. And obviously that you one, saw what the market And then it, when I remember we went back and forth and I said, like, man, it just – 
it's hard to say like we're okay with the tie. Let's have a game plan around that. So I didn't feel like it was as likely as people thought. Sure. And then it went get overtime, and I'm like, yeah, like yeah. this, this is gonna happen because yeah. once you get to overtime, at that point, and if they didn't call that time out, yeah. there's a very large yeah. chance yeah. that it ends. Yeah, that was that was my argument. Was you play to win that game. But if it does end up, if it ends up in overtime, then your whole mind shift. It yeah, switches. Yeah, like, yeah. Then it's like, all right, we are 100%. Let's just bury them deep and get yeah. this tie. And that's fine. Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. the difference between playing the uh, the Chiefs versus playing the Bengals, I think that was something that certainly weighed in both teams' minds. But, you know, to your guys' point, once it got into overtime, I think there was a lot of game theory about what the opposition was doing. And, Sure. Uh, yeah, it was certainly interesting to play. We, we might out. go a hundred years and not see. A game <laughs> like that. that was one of the wildest things you'll ever see, I think, in the sports gambling landscape, and the amount of correlated parlays and bets, you know, just industry wide across yeah. all these different operators. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you a little bit more about game theory revolving around the contest. I think it's pretty well understood, and we don't really need to go too into the weeds when it comes to making your survivor choice, where it's not just about figuring out who is the most likely to win on a given week. That's pretty easy. You have money line probabilities. Hey, sharp books. Yeah, that, that's, that's not, there's nothing special about that. There's also nothing special about looking at this, you know, balance of the season and trying to determine who will likely be the most likely to win every given week and making sure you have at least one team picked out for the whole season. There is absolutely a component in Survivor that comes down to, well, what is the pool? And trying to capture EV based on being a little bit differentiated from the pool broadly because of the potential for upsets. And there's a, you know, that there's a lot of ways to do that. They're commonly, uh, you know, kind of pushed out there. We don't need to go there. But is there a sort of a similar theory that you think applies to the Circa Millions, where you can be differentiated from the consensus? On top of having an edge on a certain number of games, that you can, uh, that that is sort of the key strategy that needs to be employed across your picks. Yeah, I think you know, obviously Andy does a lot of one and dones, and obviously there's a there's a huge DFS component to it as well. Um, I think when you just look at these contests and you say, you know, I'm picking that team because I think they're going to win, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself because I think you know, from a game theory perspective, you have to factor in what the ownership is of each survivor pick. Um, or obviously what you think the consensus picks are going to be. And, you know, obviously if, if your goal every week is just to take the biggest favorite, um, you have to look at the size of the pool you're playing in. Yeah, and, sure. you know, you're not, you're not playing in a pool with 60 people, you're playing in a pool with 6,000 people. And um, I, I think there is some advantage to being contrarian at times. Um, you know, referencing the Circa Million specifically, you know, we come out with lines on Thursday at 10 a.m., Obviously, there's information that's released, uh, whether it's Thursday, you know, Friday for injuries. Um, obviously, maybe, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, this year less so with COVID. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are just chasing uh, these moves based on, you know, the line being static in the circuit contest. And I think you're going to see a lot of people doing that. So it's not necessarily going against the move. But maybe finding games um, that aren't on that consensus list, you know, that maybe, you know, other people aren't necessarily playing, um, not necessarily picking against the moves, but picking games that you think, um, you know, can give you a leg up uh, while also not chasing the steam and trying to differentiate yourself. Um, I think there's certainly things that, uh, you know, somebody can do that will give them a little bit of an edge. Yeah, that, and that, that's something that comes into play a little with, like, golf one and done, where it's like, hey, 
everybody, you know, every year you have these guys that come up and young players like, hey, this guy wasn't on the radar in January as being a player that would be used. Suddenly somebody like Davis Riley, Cam Young, it's like, these are guys you can use. And then you realize, like, well, yeah, but everybody has him. Like, nobody used Davis Riley yet because he is just an up-and-comer. And and you end up like, well, do we want to tread water with everybody at this? You know, you get to the John Deere or something with a bad feel. We end up like everybody's going to use the same guy. We we got to decide: Are we, we just want to ride the wave this week and cash what everyone else cashes, or do we? You know, do you want to try to gain somebody here? And it, yeah. sometimes it depends on where you are. Like if you if you're if you're way behind, and granted, you guys have what what are the are there quarterly prizes and stuff? Yeah, too? You, you hit the nail on the head. It it all factors in. Your strategy all factors into where you are in the contest. If if you start the contest and you're lagging behind and you have no chance to, to, to win, you know, a quarter, you have no chance to be in a seat in the season long top 100, switch your strategy, you know, go for some of those booby prizes, do some things differently. If you're at the top, if you're at the top uh, and you're in the top 100 and you're fighting for, you know, a season long prize, it wouldn't make sense to go against a lot of these moves. But if you're behind the pack and you're trying to gain a lot of that ground, or you're trying to come back, you know, come from behind in a one and done, you know, golf thing, you have to adjust your strategy. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, figuring out if it's advantageous for me to go against some of those moves, to your point, that, that that's where, you know, some of the sharper players in this contest are really going to differentiate. Yeah. Okay. Are, are there, are there any side prizes in survivors? Just the quarterly stuff in, uh, in the million. So survivors just obviously going to be for the, the, the season long yeah. uh, in the millions. There's a number of different components. Yeah. Um, you have quarterly prizes, one through five, and then you have a booby prize, which is last place in each quarter. Presuming you submit all your bets, and then when you look at the season long prizes, you're going to have one through a hundred, and you're going to have a booby prize for last place, which is a hundred thousand, and you're going to have a second to last booby prize, which is fifty thousand. So a number of different angles and ways to attack. Uh, based on how things go. And, that's a, all right. that's a, yeah, if you really shit the bed for two weeks, what, what like you, you ha- at that point, you kind of, you're not getting in the, you know, you go one and nine, two weeks in. You're probably not going to turn that around and win, get in the top 100. It's, no, it, it, you, you, but you were in a damn nice spot for the quarterly movie prize. <laughs> yeah. like you gotta, and to be fair, if you're doing that bad, maybe maybe fading your own picks isn't good. Maybe just keep playing. I mean, Derek said it. Long time and time again, it's just as hard to pick winners as it is to pick losers. Well, not necessarily, because there's a stale, there's a stale, the stale line. Yeah, there, there's a stale line component to where you know you're betting a bad number. Reverse Correct. stale line. Reverse stale line. Yeah, and bad is, is that is this? We're, we're not breaking ground here. People Correct. are obviously doing yes. that, right? The yes. guys who are going for the booby prize are trying to corner the, the stale. Now, okay, now speaking of stale lines, if you don't know what we're talking about, it is a long, long-standing tradition for people. To point to how their contest record went and be like, "Hey, I hit 58 percent. I'm a fucking, I'm an NFL genius. I'm a guru." Well, you know, there's a decent chance that a good proportion of that you were betting against the stale line. Um, and in general, in a contest, I think you have to be somewhat careful about taking the stale line because those are on everybody's. Well, so you're not gaining on the field if you're getting that free winner. You're just but probably you know, to the quarter yeah. prize stuff too. Let's say you start nine and one. There's a decent chance that you want to be doing some things different in those next couple weeks sure. to maximize your chances for that quarter prize. Where it's like, hey, I'm I'm, I'm going to take a high risk, high reward thing here. I might fuck up my chances. 
for the big one, but I'm in such a good spot here to differentiate myself over the next couple sure. weeks, get this big-ass quarter prize. And, I mean, any prize you could win in these. So yeah. There's a lot of entries. That ain't winning i got to ask an important question, though, about the stale lines. There are other contests out there where the stale lines are a little more prevalent. I feel like a lot of the times I see the 10 a.m. stuff come out on Thursday from Circa, and I'm like, God damn it, they shaded X, Y, and Z. And they're not as stale. But no, but like, there is some stuff that's shaded a half point. Because you, you have to hang non-juiced. Yeah, there's no juice. You have there's to no hang. Yeah, there's no indexing. Half point rules. Yeah, yeah, you have to hang. <laughs> you, have to, you have to hang half points. And sometimes they're shaded in a direction where I feel like you guys are somewhat anticipating where the market is going. Am I dreaming, or is that actually some thought that goes into that? No, you're correct. I, I think when you look at this contest, obviously you have to put the line out at a certain time, and it's going to be static at some point. Yeah. So, um, you know, for us, obviously, we're just trying to be as close to directionally, you know, right as possible. You know, Chris Bennett, who's our director of risk, he manages, you know, primarily in you know, our baseball and NFL markets. I think he does a fantastic job of obviously, you know, shading things a half point here, half point there, and kind of putting his spin on where he ultimately thinks the line's going to close. Uh, that way the players have as close to a true line as possible. Okay, so it's fair to say the contest lines from Circa represent Chris Bennett's guess as to the close, closing time. That's correct. And, and it's funny, too, because the more I'm thinking about this, there's no benefit to making those any better. Like, yeah, no, there is. No, you want no, – No, you do, but at, at the end of the contest, like, you know, if, if, pick a preseason game tonight. You know, whoever the, the right, Browns, yeah. you, Brown, you, yeah, Browns, yeah. You set the Browns yeah. at minus eighteen. You're, you're probably going to get flopped tonight. <laughs> but if you if you do that a contest line, it doesn't matter. You're going to pay out the same at the end. I, think, I, I get that you want you want to be good. You want to be close. But play, players want they do a want line that, yeah, that that's what is as close to what the the closing line is going to be. The 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 more lines that move off of what the number is, the less the less good it is for the people in the contest because you're just going to have X amount of players who just blindly take that line. Yes. And, and, and I think that's one of the biggest leaks in a lot of people's games. They just play way too safe. Yeah. They just chase these line moves, and it ultimately doesn't provide them any no, they, they, they hit like 61% and finish 300. Don't make a dime. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. No, and that's what I want to hear you say. It's like, <laughs> it is, if you have a bunch of stale lines, it just it makes the content. It doesn't change a damn thing on your end. Like on, on your end, you're just ending up with, you know, you pay out the same amount of it. It, it doesn't change anything financially, but it does make it a better contest. Like, totally. Yeah, it's better for the players, for sure. Absolutely. All right, so um, I agree with it. Conceptually and in general, like I noticed that, it's good to hear that that's somewhat built into the side process. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the process of building lines and get away from the contest, even though that's... It got me thinking. Know, mostly... But, like all this... All this quarter prize. Now I think I feel like I'm a quarter prize guy now. Because I got to be go thinking about well, the baseball one that I flamed out of thanks to, I can't remember who the team I had higher power rated than the market that did not work out. But there was a, a baseball survivor contest that they run, and it's weekly. So, and then I looked at it and said, I don't really know baseball that well. And then I looked at it and it said, your team has to finish 500 or better. And I thought about that. I'm like, well, if you have an even number of games, that's more important than anything else. By like a, <laughs> by like a considerable amount. Like going going three and three compared to four and three, 
<laughs> there's a considerable margin there. I'm just going to break down the schedule and power rate. You know, where do I have even number teams, even number of games with good teams? And like, I've, I've, I've never cashed, but I've always done, I've gotten deep in that one, just not even really understanding baseball. Sure. I mean, it's fun. The, the game theory, when you find something like that, that's why I think, I think I'm a quarter prize guy now. Yeah. Is there any uh, kind of hidden edge still in these contests for the millions putting in Thursday night football pick? I would say that most people do not put in a Thursday night tip just because the the information that you're going to get, uh, you know, Friday when they release injury report, um, and sometimes early Saturday morning is just way too advantageous. So uh, typically, it's you know usually the most least selected game of the week, um, and I would anticipate that trend to continue. Have you ever thought about changing that? Right. Let, letting someone do the one and then do the other four later on Saturday. It's just totally it's a, a software thing. It's totally a software thing. Uh, if, if we had the software to do so, we would allow people to do one and four. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's a software thing where you have to submit all five types of things. Makes sense. I know. I've always thought about that. It could be more fun if you could. That's one of the it biggest. It would make the Thursday yeah. thing. To, it would make that a lot more interesting for that. Well, uh, such is life. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, that's, that's a small thing. Uh, and, you know. It's a, it's still a very fun contest, frankly, and uh, I, I, in general, if you have a consensus play that's based on some information coming available between the opening lines and you know the stale line, effectively, um, nothing peeves me more than when that actually comes through. And ninety percent of the pool gets a free win, and you're like, man, that could have been a big differentiating factor. So. Whatever the case, um, when you guys are kind of your traders are setting up sort of their weekly lines for uh, and any any given week in the NFL, um, we've talked a lot about market cycle. When do you get down? How do you anticipate line moves? Do you get your you know when you are anticipating a line move in the direction where you have an edge? You know, making sure you beat the market to that move is important. Um, how do your traders kind of? go through that market cycle, when are they the most keen on bets coming in and how does sort of the opening, you know, raising of limits, how does that work for you guys uh, in terms of sort of that dance between the better and the bookmaker? Yeah, I think it's a great point. Obviously, when you when you open numbers, uh, you know, your limits are going to be lower than, you know, right before post. So, you know, for us, obviously, when we're opening NFL, you know, we may open NFL, you know, right, right when the Sunday Night Football game starts. You know, we may open the sides at a $5,000 limit. Um, and then obviously when you look at what we're going to take and post, you know, on, on the app with zero approval process or at the counter, you know, that's going to be 100000 come Sunday. So uh, obviously there's a pretty big spread between, you know, the $5,000 openers and 100000 at post. Um, obviously, they're, you know, we're very keen when we open numbers, um, you know, because you're certainly going to see a lot of people, you know, that's going to be the time when the market is the least efficient. Um, so you're certainly going to be people, see people, you know, weighing the ability to get down, uh, you know, X amount at, at that price without, you know, kind of blowing up the market um, versus, you know, waiting until Sunday uh, when they're able to get down, you know, 20X higher, uh, but, but the market is going to be much more efficient. So I would say for us, obviously, it's a tiered limit system as the week progresses, um, you know, those limits are going to go up. And when those limits are going up, you know, that's speaking to the company. Comfortability factor of you know what we've seen up to this point uh, with bets on both sides uh, and where we're at with, with, with the specific numbers. So you know if we're writing good two way uh, or we're taking bets on a game um, and, and there's no injury concerns, you know, we're probably going to be quicker to bump it than you know, 
know, if it's a Browns game, then we're unsure whether Deshaun Watson's going to play or not. So I, I think there's a lot of different things that go into it, whether it's an injury game um, or, or it's a game we feel very comfortable about, given the bets we've taken on both sides. Um, I would say that kind of is what goes into our kind of progression process um, and how our traders kind of factor that information in. And, and, I mean, the limit progression, the fact that yours is generous as well. I mean, it's, it's the silliest fucking thing that anyone has to say. But, like, you guys, you know, you have a, you know, it's a lower bank. You have a, a nice over, especially in the future books. But you still charge a bank. That's the nature of the beast. And that's why, like, that's why it's so silly. Some of the sports books that don't, like, if you take more bets, you make more money. That's just how it's going to work long term. And that's what I, that's what I see when I see... And granted, it's because it's new. It's nice because it's new, but it's also nice because it's nice. But the sports book and the stadium swim, it's like, hey, how, how else can we just get a shitload of volume on NFL? It's like a really nice sports book. And then, like, <laughs> guess what? I don't, you know, even if it's a whole bunch of $100 betters on Sunday, you can take a shitload of limit on the NFL. It's just going to be a good winter. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at sports betting, obviously you guys are, you know, Keen to what goes on in the market, you know, whether you're holding three percent like we are, or whether you're holding, you know, ten percent like maybe a more recreational book. You know, both those things are, you know, low holds. And I think in any low hold business, you know, you want to do everything to incentivize volume. And you know, for us, we didn't apply for a license to not take bets. You know, our goal when somebody walks to the counter, whether it's you, my dad, you know, Billy Walters, whatever it may be, you know, our goal is to take as big a bet as we can humanly take. And um, you know. Like Andy mentioned, uh, you know, we strongly believe the more volume we take, whether it's from a, a you know a recreational or non-recreational client, um, that it's going to be more profitable for us over the long run. Do you have certain players that like are refreshing, 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 waiting for that limit, and then like the bet comes in like within? You know, you That's a, a good limit. question. Is it like limits <laughs> like, up, and then you yeah, also you take dang. that like ten seconds? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think people get attuned or accustomed to the consistency in terms of when we bump limits. You know, at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, you know, the limits may go to, you know, 100,000 on a side. Somebody, somebody, it may not be worth it for somebody to bet it at 50,000, but it's worth it for them to bet it at 100,000, you know, based on the liquidity they're trying to get down. So, you know, uh, obviously Spanky's talked a, a lot about it with his, you know, his odd screen and stuff like that. You know, I, I think people being able to understand, you know, both what the line is and what the limit is um, and what they're able to get down at a specific place, you know, goes a long way to, you know, people trading. Right? That makes sense. Oh, 100%. And, 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 <laughs> I mean, it, it makes me think of that, the Dylan story from the draft, too. Like, I'm guessing the traders are a little more focused on the screen when limits go up, like, right after, if you're about to take a couple of, hey, we might take some that we weren't going to take 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Let's pay attention, fellas. Uh, it's, in the if, it's, if it's November and Matt Stafford is questionable with an elbow and you limits, go limits, limits up and a bet comes in against the Rams that's limits, you know, a couple in a row, you're immediately like, oh, the jig is up. Correct. Stafford's not playing. Yeah, I mean, the market is going to tell you where you're wrong on things. Uh, obviously, you're going to see that, you know, much more so in the draft, um, you know, than, than what you'd see in the NFL. But um, I, I think when you look at any market, you look at the limits that we're taking, when you're trading in our room and you are booking a specific sport, I mean, Chris Bennett's talked about it ad nauseum. I mean, you have to be so plugged in and so glued to that bet ticker because because of the limits that we take. You know, when you're taking 100000 on an NFL game and somebody goes down in, in, in warm-ups um, or you know, 
like you're taking 2,000 on draft props um, and, and some piece of information comes out, you know, this stuff just gets steamed, you know, into oblivion and, you know, taking your eyes off the screen for one second, um, you know, you could take three, four, five limits on time. That was, that was exactly what Dylan said when we had him on to talk about the draft. Uh, two years ago, when you just made him open up a hundred prop markets, he's like, you know, I think at that point you were taking a thousand, but he's like, man, you know, some, you get like three people on the yeah. window or the app that bet a thousand on the same one in like a half hour. You kind of got to go back to your computer and start doing a little research, and like hitting the Twitter and be like, oh shit, what happened? Like, did this guy do a workout or what happened that everybody suddenly hit the under? He's like, all these quarterback markets have just been getting. You know, yeah. It was it was interesting. He's like, you know, some of that info is really hard to find. He's like, but you take a bunch of bets on it, and you have to go find it anyway. There's got to be the other side of the coin though, too, right? Where sometimes you, your guys, and you, you know, internally, you have a decent read on a certain injury situation. It's built into the number before you go surface top, and then people still bet it when the injury report goes up, and you're like. Yeah, it was built in. We're not moving. Is that some example? Taking a position. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's it's specific to each relative market. You know, but there's things where you know we get the information first and we go to a number. Um, you know, we have guys who are just kind of cleaning the board. Um, you know, with what our number is versus you know what other places have. And you know, I think having those kind of people. Uh, it certainly serves its purpose and its benefit at times. You know, when we go to a number that's maybe off market um, and we have people who come in and, and fill those positions, uh, and ultimately those are bets that we can both turn to, and, you know, there's certainly bets that we're looking for at that time. I got you. Okay, so here we are in the middle of August. And if your line, yeah. is, if your line is better than the guy across the street, then you're happy with board cleaners because well, and, it's going to earn more and, often than theirs is. Yeah, before before you touch on your point, that's, that's one other thing that we – we not only like, but we encourage. We're all about volume. And if, if you want to lay three on a game and we go to four and you want to take that four instantly, you're more than welcome to do that. You know, if, if we have four on the board, anybody is welcome to bet it, including somebody who just bet it beforehand. So, you know, I think for us, like I said, it's all about incentivizing volume, driving that action. Um, and I think when you look at a lot of other places, you know, when you lay three and then they go to four and you take that four, you know, that's a big no-no in the industry, which for me, I, you know, I've never really understood. If you want to go to four, anybody should be able to be able to bet that number. Um, and like I said, you know, people here having the ability to, uh, you know, lay three, lay four, lay five, you know, or bet it back at any time um, and know that their account's not going to be closed or that their limits are going to be chopped. Um, what is the legality of that? I know there is some touchiness on that. If a number moves, you can bet the other side. You just can't come in and say, I want to bet 50 grand on both sides of this basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> because of the Because you're laundry money. Yeah. 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 Obviously, that's a little different. But I think when you but, look at a lot of these books. Well, I, I'd heard that. But if the line moves, you're absolutely allowed to bet it. The same book, the other way if it's moved? At Circus Sports, if you lay three on a game and we go to four, you can lay four. Yep. Or if you want to lay, if you want to take back plus four and build a position however you want, you're more than welcome to do that. I took plus three early in the week a couple of years ago at a shop, uh, and then I bought back a minus one and a half after some COVID news, and my account was closed, and I was told never to do that again. So, you know, like I said, it, to me, that's the antithesis of, you know, wanting to write bets and, uh, you know, what a lot of places are trying to do. Uh, but, you know, here at Circa, you know, people are more than welcome to do that. If you don't want the bet, don't move the yeah. number there. Correct. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Okay, so um, you guys differentiate yourselves with the contest. We know that. That is a, that's a no-brainer. You differentiate yourselves with the kind of customer experience. That's a no-brainer. You also, from a price standpoint, try to corner the market from the futures hole and offer the best prices in the futures market. And here we are in the middle of August. Presumably, we're as sharp as we are going to be in terms of just raw opinion on these teams. Until we get more information and people get hurt, or we learn a little bit about certain players and their development through preseason games, there's not really going to be much that moves uh, the futures markets. Am I on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it's dependent upon the market, but um, you know, when a lot of this stuff uh, was released um, and opened up early in the summer, you know, that, that was when the market was the most inefficient. Uh, that's when people really had the best opinions. Um, you saw a lot of bets on the opening numbers. Uh, obviously, that had a lot to do with free agency, sure. um, a big deal to do with the draft and things like that. And now when we're working your way into training camps and then obviously preseason games, um, you know, what happens in these preseason games, injuries um, and information, you know, particularly, you know, preseason sides, totals and money lines, um, you know, that's what's really going to move the market. Um, I think when you look at maybe the Super Bowl market uh, and, and the conference market, those markets are going to move less so now, uh, given that they've had a lot of time to develop. But when you look at maybe an MVP market um, or an offensive rookie of the year market or a coach of the year market, a lot of that stuff's going to move maybe a little bit more hard, um, given a lot of that stuff is reflective of you know what happens in each preseason game and stuff like that. Obviously, we were talking you know before we came on, uh, we took a bet on Bailey's app. Uh, the uh, the third stringer uh, for New England. Uh, obviously, he looked good in their first preseason game. A lot of stuff like that you're going to see where people are being kind of reflective uh, of what's happening in these preseason games and trying to get ahead of some of that information. Which I don't hate. Those are fun. Do limits reflect that? Like, can you basically just go and look at the futures markets limits and see Super Bowl, conference futures, division futures prices where you can get down large size and then in the player future markets it's a little bit more... More yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, I think there's you know more of an efficiency at this point uh, in the Super Bowl and conference markets than you know what you might see in some of you know the, the rookie of the year or MVP markets. Um, but obviously, for us, as these markets get more efficient, um, you know we're taking sizable bets. Um, you know, I think when you look at you know, say somebody who's in the nine to one to twelve to one range, you know a, a Kenny Pickett type, you know a Chris Olave type. Um, you know, Traylon Burks, who obviously uh, didn't do much in his first game, uh, and we dropped from 10 to 1 to 12 to 1. You know, those are guys you can get um, on the app for $3,000 with no approval process, you know, which is a pretty fair bet um, in that rookie of the year market. Um, and then obviously, as you work your way down to, you know, guys like you know, Isaiah Pacheco, who's, who's really been the buzz of the Chiefs camp and stuff like that, you know, he's 75 to 1 in, in, in our rookie of the year pool. He was probably three hundred to one, you know, ten days ago. You know, he's somebody you can get a thousand dollars. What's the what's what's fair price for Kenny Pickett? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's missing a zero. I mean, yeah, it, uh, obviously based on all the, uh, the the news up to this point in, in Steeler camp, it certainly looks like Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter. And uh, obviously, without an injury or you know uh, you know a terrible performance over the first couple of weeks from for Mitch Trubisky, it, it doesn't look like Kenny Pickett has a huge path to playing this year. Um, you know, I, I'd probably make that number a little bit higher. But the good thing about what we do here at Circuit, to your point. You have to. Is we have two-way markets, yeah, right. so we can't price gouge the customer. Yeah, you know, right. If we take Kenny Pickett bet after Kenny Pickett bet after Kenny Pickett bet, we can't just artificially go to five to one. Yeah, right. 
we have to we have to be respectful to the fact that we have a no price, and if we get low enough, we may have a guy like you come in who, who's you know wants to short Kenny Pickett and is a non-believer. So I think having that two-way pricing really helps us to be honest uh, with, with our future market and stick to our targeted hold. Um, and like I said, if people don't believe in Kenny Pickett or aren't Steelers fans, um, you know they have the ability to come in and, and bet you know X amount of dollars to win three thousand on the no on Kenny Pickett. And I mean, three thousand is. Do you guys think Yeah. <laughs> I need, I need to transfer. <laughs> there's Bitcoin ATMs all over town. Oh, really? Well, if you want to pay ten percent, they take it for the hotel and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm a big Bitcoin fan. Uh, you know, a lot of the people on our, you know, in our risk room and on our uh, management staff are Bitcoin fans. So. Hopefully the Nevada Gaming Control Board will get on board one of these days and okay. be able to. That's uh, what I, mean, just, yeah. I mean, the legal market in general. Like that drives, that's what drives me nuts about when I do go to Iowa. And God bless you guys, you're down there. Uh, that, that's my next question. Is and we won't go on a Bitcoin tangent. We're, we're getting a little low on time here, but this, uh, you know, your decisions to delve into Colorado, Iowa, now Illinois. Is that is it all just going to be like, hey, these states have reasonable regulations? Because we have, you know, a lower head, low, low, uh, lower big, and we don't want to go big overhead on anything here. Look in Iowa, there's not a circuit counter in Iowa. No, you're not going to walk up to one. It's you go down there, you, you maybe you just cross the border and you park behind a grain elevator and you pull out your phone. I'm not saying I, I that's exact. I park next to a Casey's now. They have better Wi-Fi, but but yeah, I mean it's, it's super low overhead. You just have to get the licensing. You have to get the app ready and. Just start taking deposits. You hit the nail on the head. It's all about favorable rules and regulations. Uh, you know, I think when you look at what we're doing in Colorado and then obviously what we're doing in uh, Iowa, it's all about remote re- remote funding and remote registration. And, you know, conversely, when you... And then you know, uh, Illinois now with their correct. getting back to remote. Yeah, and then when, conversely, when you look at a state like New York, which has a 51% tax rate, you know, that's unsustainable for a small operator like ourselves. Obviously, you know, we hope to be in California where Drew's, lo- uh, you know, where Drew's located. Um, but that would seem to be prohibitive, given the, you know the market access fee we'd have to pay and stuff like that. So it'll certainly be interesting. Um, but it'd be nice if you know the rules and regulations on a state by state basis were a little bit more consistent, uh, particularly for the smaller operator. Okay, so here's the key question: then. Uh, There are a lot of, or at least there was a piece published by ESPN this week that caught a lot of attention, shared a lot of you know shared in a lot of corners of gambling Twitter. That was basically positing that the future is player props, and if you want to grow volume, you got to cater to the twenty-something who is maybe more into the hey, I want to bet on this guy and, and this and many yards betting. and micro betting, live betting, all that. Like there is like a, a, a mindset, a growth mindset of that's where you sh- we should be going as an industry, or at least trying to capture that those dollars. You guys are going tackling hard in the other direction. Is that a fair statement? And then does this concern you? Or do you think that the people that are chasing those small fish are going to be, you'll be laughing at them as you're eating their lunch in 10 years? Yeah, I would say it's, a, it's an accurate statement. You know, for us, uh, we have more of a meat and potatoes type of menu um, in which we, you know, really cater to people looking to get down sizable limits, uh, you know, on main markets. Um, I would say, you know, over the coming years, you know, we're working on our tech stack uh, and, you know, the hope is by working on our tech stack, continuing to grow our team. I mean, we've only been in operation, you know, three plus years, whereas a lot of these other places have been around for quite some time. 
have much bigger budgets than us, much bigger teams. So for us, like I said, we're working on you know our tech stack, and uh, we believe by growing our tech stack and our team, we'll be able to automate uh, definitely some more things. Um, and the hope is as we automate things, you know, work with our you know our deaf prison partner in Colorado and things like that, you know, that we'll be able to offer you know definitely more player props um, and derivative markets than we have up to this point. Is it realistic though to expect that maybe that this just breaks into two? Bifurcates, bifurcates well, the two markets all together. Yeah. Where like, 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 what if in five years it's like circus competing with the exchange model that's out there? And okay, then I think that's everybody else like, is, I think it's everybody else is going after the small stuff. Competing with the the draftings and the FanDuel's and having you know the, the the spend they have, and they'll just go into any state that lets them because they're they're able to cover that. Like, I I would agree it's better to just slowly you know like the meat and potatoes. Yeah, guess what. This menu, it's like going to, God, what's what, like Chili's. Like, it's nine pages deep and it's all okay. Yeah. It's like, hey, guess what? Here, we have steaks. Yeah, we're not We gonna, have potatoes. Yeah. We have asparagus. Yeah. But it's prime. You don't walk yeah. in. You yeah. don't walk into Fleming's and say, give me the blooming onion. You yeah. Say, like, give me, give me your best cut. But like, I guess, you know, you're never going to offer same game parlays. You're not, you're not really trying to court that customer, right? Yeah, I would say for us, uh, we're definitely trying to go after a different customer. Ultimately, we'd like to add more, you know, recreational customers. Um, and I think in the long run, as we uh, add more props, you know, we originate more markets, uh, and we have better technology, we'll certainly have the ability to do that. You know, obviously, you know, those who follow me on Twitter, they know how kind of outspoken I can be at times. You know, and I would say the one kind of maybe, you know, pushback I would have on, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel and some of these places that, you know, have a wide and deep prop menu is, you know, I would say a lot of it is sports betting for decoration if you can't get down a fair and sizable bet. So, you know, we could put all those props on our menu and take $25 to them too. That doesn't really fit our model and what we're trying to do. So that I guess that would be some of my issue with, 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 with what I see. Um, but ultimately, like I said, when we do put, you know, player props or derivative markets on the board, you know, our goal is to take a fair, fair bet to them. Uh, and then we will have definitely uh, a more expansive, you know, list of player props this year. Uh, you know, obviously not as deep as a draft pinch or bandle or things like that. Uh, but continuing to grow and automate um, and hopefully add to our menu. Same in the offshore space. Like, you, you find a lot more fun stuff, but it's like, oh, no. Like, somebody found a really, hey, I found a crazy good price on Ukraine to win Eurovision. I log in, I go there. I hit the max button and it was uh, it was it was ten dollars and I already had it. it was already in there. So fucking, I didn't enter anyway. So I won. It was plus one twenty, so I won twelve bucks. Like, and I paid for some chilies that night. Do you guys see the future of exchanges onboarding in the U.S. as an actual competitor? And like, if you're looking over your shoulder, is that who you're most concerned about? That's happening like now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how kind of the exchange type model you know, kind of unfolds. Um, obviously, I think, you know, what's been, you know, kind of maybe a pain point for a lot of these exchanges up to this point is really who's seeding that liquidity um, and really who's market making for, for, the, for those. So you guys are getting into market making for exchanges. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been talking about the pinnacle. The pinnacle. <laughs> Everybody knows the pinnacle. The betting, too. But, but, I mean, we talked a little bit about that with Captain Jack as yeah. far as having, you know, sport trade, profit exchange, like, the difference between self-seeding and customer acquisition for that stuff because like selling this 
you know, we talk about the same game parlays and all the stuff that the 20 year olds like. Like, yeah. hey, guess what? Minus 103. I don't give a shit. I don't have an account there, though. I already have 300 bucks deposited. And, 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 and that's really the I difference change. between Nevada versus non Nevada. Yeah. Sure. The betters really educated in Nevada, you know, much like you guys, you know, they are price sensitive. Yep. Um, and they just expect something different. Whereas, you know, people who haven't grown up in Nevada and haven't experienced that obviously are looking more towards the same game. You know, parlays um, and some of the, you know, the yeah, okay. where they down. But your, your core customer base, if they can get 5,000 down somewhere else before they can get it down where, you know, here, they're going to do it. <laughs> like, right. there's no, there's this, this piracy out there, right. man. There, there's no brand loyalty right. among the customers you guys are courting. And, I, you know, I guess I think, uh, you know, realistically, is there a way to use the in- the incoming wave of exchanges across the U.S. and weave it into making Circa more robust and more stuff? And that is the tougher part for you because it's funny. Like you probably put out the best product, and you're going to have the least brand loyalty because, <laughs> yeah, because you're attracting the yeah. kind of customer who's like, well, you know, Jeff hung it at minus one hundred five, but it's minus one hundred four here. They have limits, and it's. A, I mean, yeah. like I joked about the the recreational betters, like they would switch. If it was minus one twenty five and it was even money elsewhere, if they had to go through the sign up process. Like yeah, I already have I already have money in that shit. Like yeah. you know, the, the the pain they're willing to put up with for a horrible line is amazing compared to what your customers would do as far as jumping to another book. Yeah, I would say my counterpoint to that would be when you have the best prices, people people are gonna find you okay. um, and you're ultimately going to get the volume. We encourage people to price shop to have multiple apps. You know, that's something that we're you know, upfront and open about. Um, but I think when you look at our future product, you look at our money line splits um, and things like that. I think by having the best splits and having the lowest theoretical hold on futures, you know, I think that's ultimately going to drive people here. Um, so I would say, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about that at the current moment. Um, and if we continue to be competitive in terms of our pricing. Yeah, so that's really going to get people in the door. If you guys had access to exchanges, either you know, not in Nevada but somewhere else, um, you know, would you feel like you have better risk management tools at your disposal, and you could raise limits and take even bigger action? I mean, I would say as the market matures and the market gets more efficient and the pricing becomes better, you know, I think obviously we're aware of what's going on in the market and things like that. I would say, you know, as, as that stuff kind of comes online, that, that could only help our pricing um, in, in terms of A, being better for the for the player, um, and B, being more efficient. Okay, I love that answer. All right, let's get you out of here with an easy question. You're taking a lot of action in the futures market, in the low-hole futures market. I can tell you the answer to this because just watching the prices change, who are we rooting against for the 2021 camp, or 2022 NFL campaign? Or college, too. Or college, yeah. Who are we rooting against? Uh, nothing nothing yet in college, but in terms of uh, NFL. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and most of the college. Well, it's just like, hey, those are, well, are donkeys yeah, are in town. We would get yeah, yeah, crushed yeah. if Vanderbilt yeah. wins the title. <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of the NFL, uh, I would say up to this point, our two worst results would be uh, the Steelers winning the Super Bowl. Um, we took some uh, bets at long numbers before. Uh, you know, with the thought that, uh, you know, they may get a, a better quarterback, which didn't ultimately pan out. So 
you know, we feel very comfortable with our position there. Um, and then there's been a ton of interest on the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, to no one's surprise. Uh, obviously, the acquisition of uh, Devontae Adams, um, you know, and, and that trade uh, certainly spurned a ton of bets there. So those would be our two uh, worst results in the Super Bowl future market at this point. Okay. So a lot of beers at the stadium swim with the Raiders are good. That's a good point. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like the, you know, the Golden Knights. You so know, you, yeah, you just want AFC championship loss. Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, if yeah. they're competitive yeah. and they're good, uh, it's certainly going to be good for the city and good for him. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Knights thing was – how many oh, people yeah. just put, like, 20 bucks on them because they – like, I can finally bet on a local team. Yeah. And, like, and everybody's sitting there with all this goddamn EV as they're sitting there at the end of the year. That's great. Uh, well, okay, so – Broadly speaking, what constitutes success for Circa this year with an NFL? Like, are you looking to try to grow handle, get more, you know, fill up these contests? Like, what what constitutes success for everybody in the back room that you guys are celebrating at the end of the year? I would say if we can get to, uh, you know, at, at least 5,000 entries in each contest um, and not have more than a $2 million overlay, um, I think that would be a strong growth from a, a contest perspective. Um, you know, if we're able to get over the uh, the overlay and survivor, uh, which I think is a really uh, strong possibility, uh, I think that'd be considered a smashing success. Uh, and when when you think about you know, uh, you know the NFL season and sort of sports and our growth, uh, you know I think if we're able to increase our handle, uh, we're able to see growth in all three states, uh, and we're ultimately able to come online with Illinois and add uh, you know a fourth state to our portfolio. Um, I think it'll be a really successful 2022 season. Look close with that, then. What do you know on Illinois? I know I got I got coworkers, teammates, friends. They're antsy. What's the great question? We're just as antsy as them. Uh, the licensure process has been uh, quite convoluted. Uh, you know, to no one's surprise. Um, you know, we're hopeful uh, it'll be early Q1 of next year. Um, just before the NFL draft. Yeah, oh, just, just before the NFL draft. So okay. uh, the thought process would be, uh, you know, they're going to open uh, in a temporary structure uh, for a couple of months, uh, and then hopefully we would get our license shortly thereafter. Um, like I said, the hope would be that we would be open at some point in uh, January or February. Nice. Point. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so a couple, couple of closing comments from us. Uh, it was extremely easy to sign up. <laughs> yeah. contest, like laughably. The customer service was excellent. And people um, have asked about proxy stuff. Like, yeah. The we we took a picture with Maddie. He's just sitting down there for like six hours a day. He'll be there. Yeah, he's down there from 9 to 3 tomorrow too. On, yep. on weekend, Friday and Saturday at least. You can email him also and get set up to meet him anytime. Or Tony. Uh, or Tony. Uh, and there's other proxies as well, but Maddie was out. He's outstanding. He's, he's easy, guy. easy, easy yeah. to enter your picks online. Send him up. Uh, you know, do it Saturday morning. Um, I'm in multiple contests with different partners and groups of partners, groups of friends, groups of friends. And, uh, you know, so if you're unwilling to get involved with a full thousand dollar entry, splitting it amongst, you know, a handful of your, uh, handful of your buddies gives you an excuse to get on a text chain on Friday night and really hash out what your five picks are. And then your wife is like, it's family time Friday. There's no football. Why are you on your fucking phone? Like, I don't... I don't and the high, and the high school game figured <laughs> out I, if I don't, the Bengals or not. What, what is so important that you have been texting for 30 minutes? It's like, well, we can't choose between the Patriots and the Dolphins. It's, it's been very, very hot. Hotly I'm sorry, I told the ones I bought into, I asked them, like, 
can I buy into these and not have an opinion? Yeah, of course. I'll take a share. I'll take a share. I'll take a share. Well, then I can blame them if I don't cash out this year. Yeah, of course. Well, I didn't make the pitch. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Just awesome. Appreciate Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Yeah, it Appreciate was great. Yep, we're we'll going to see you around this weekend, undoubtedly. Great we'll job. Be, we'll be back we'll next week with some uh, NFL previews again. So, catch you again.